Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential and achieve your definition of success. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. You've likely heard about the many benefits of meditation, such as an increased presence, a calmer mind, and lower levels of stress. I've been on a journey to consistently practice meditation, and I often wonder, am I doing it right? Is it even working? And questions like this likely prove how important it is that I actually do meditate. To help answer these questions, I've invited Laura Rowe Stevens to help us embrace the ancient practice of meditation. Laura and I actually met a few months ago at a yoga retreat. And when we met, I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast. Laura is a freelance writer and former magazine editor whose article and blog topics range from business and careers to parenting and dating. She has contributed to the New York Times, Inc., and Forbes, and her writing has also led her to appear on CNN and HuffPost. She has written three novels and is halfway through her fourth. When Laura is not writing, she is teaching yoga and meditation across the globe at Yoga for Writers retreats and more locally here in Los Angeles. Welcome, Laura. Hi, it's so lovely to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us today. Tell us a little bit more about your background in writing and working as a freelancer. Oh, sure. I'm happy to. So I've been a writer since I was 18. It's been a little bit of a long time. And I think I was a super shy Southern little girl and curious. And being a journalist allowed me to ask a lot of questions. And um, the miracle of doing so over the phone and then later by email meant that I was taken more seriously. So in the South, you still have it called Suge and Honey and you're left out of meetings and at least back then. And so at the University of Georgia, that's where I started and I was writing for the newspaper, then the Atlanta Journal Constitution while I was there and then working for the BBC, had a little radio show after all things considered and um, covered the legal beat, covered crime and uh, instantly got a job. I worked in London and I worked in Maryland, North Carolina, even Maine at one point. And in New York, and it was hard covering crime. You know, that was that was in politics was a little icky. That really wasn't for me, I think. But it spurred a lot of ideas for my fiction. So two of my novels are mysteries, and that's where that comes in. Um, and then I've got to say, like when I was in Los Angeles in Santa Monica and pregnant, and I was freelancing mostly for business because I like business, but I like the career aspect of it. How do we keep people happy? I like learning about what makes really smart people tick. And usually it's because they surround themselves by smarter people. They're not in their ego so much, right? And so I covered careers for Forbes and for Inc. And for this magazine is now defunct called The Industry Standard in San Francisco. And um, and I remember being pregnant with my first child. And I didn't have time to read what to expect when you're expecting. Just buzzing along. I'm working so hard. I remember my editor at Forbes, I was writing a story about how to save for college. And I'm literally like, it's mayhem, right? I'm having contractions. I'm going to deliver probably that day. And, and I remember just thinking, this, 
effed up. And luckily I didn't deliver. And I wrote to an editor at Fit Pregnancy Magazine, like, it's sending her all the links of all the stories I've written. So I was now writing a story about saving for college. And she finally wrote back. And I was just like, honey, you don't have to justify yourself. You're hilarious. Like, okay, I want you to, to write a mom's at work column for us. And I was like, yes. And then she's like, and read this book. You're going into labor. So it was really funny. So I started writing for Fit Pregnancy. Um, and at the time, Weeder owned Shape Magazine as well. And so that catapulted me into the world of health, mental health, women's health, um, and focusing solely on women and careers and health. So anyway, that's been my journey. And I've always kept my toe in the water with freelance, whether I'm working for publishers, I edit books too, like nonfiction books and ghostwriting, which is fun. And so been a parenting editor for a magazine, that kind of thing. And now I have two boys, one's in college, I can't believe it. And one is 13 going on 40, my little man. And um, and I'm working on my fourth novel, which is a bit of a mystery, but it has, it's like my, my yoga, my meditation and my travels, because um, I used to live in Europe, quite influenced a little bit. So it's, some of it has a little metaphysical, magical surrealism, little romance, little mystery. Anyway, there were three publishing house editors right now. Two of them are. So send me good juju because I've been through this process many times. I don't want to self-publish. I like support and editors and I really do like input and my agent is brilliant. And so some things are worth waiting for. So hopefully within the next few years, we'll actually get on shelves through publishers. Well, we'll send out all the positive vibes to the universe. And I was curious, Laura, on where you get all your inspiration for your writing. And it sounds like a lot of that came from when you were reporting on crime, from all of your travels. Are there other sources of inspiration? Oh, yeah. Being a super shy little girl, I didn't speak to strangers outside of my family until I was 11. And now I'm a chatterbox cottage. So I don't know where, you know, whatever the things change. But um, growing up in the deep South, I think is a huge influence on me. Um, all my time living in London and abroad has been an influence too. yoga trainings. And when I meditate that ideas come in sometimes as well. So I think all of them play a role. Magic plays a big role in all my writing, my inspirations and my writers who inspire me the most, I would say are like Alice Hoffman, people who bring magic into their writing. The book that is with three publishers right now, and then I have another one that's just with one, is inspired by a true story of a, of a freed slave that I uncovered when I was a reporter in the North Carolina mountains right out of college. So I carried that story with me everywhere. I went every single move. And then when I started writing this novel, which was inspired by the story, but nothing truly about the story, um, I lost that newspaper clipping from the Winston-Salem Journal. And, and I just thought that freed me to write what I really wanted. So it's called Uriel's Mask, but it has nothing really to do with that freed slave. But she inspired a part of the story where she would feel spirits by the river in this area of North Carolina, and she would make masks. And then later, an art curator from the Whitney Museum in New York discovered the masks, and he thought they looked a lot like art from Ghana. And so he put them on auction when she was like in her 90s. and. It was how she put her grandchildren to, to through college. And that story super inspired me. So I wanted to do something that was a little bit haunting and had a lot to do with um, racism in the South and other 
issues, but through the eyes of a white little girl. So that story has been with me forever. So we'll see if that gets birthed soon. That's a wonderful story around never giving up on your dreams. We always have these callings on our heart. And it sounds like you really leaned into that and and let it come out in a very creative way. I think sometimes dreams just keep coming back and knocking on the door, right? Mm -hmm. And I've always been a writer. So when I was um, a parent and pregnancy editor for Real Girls Media, I lived in London with my ex-husband and I loved that job because I was every day coming up with themes and creating columns. And it was, it was bought by Meredith Corp, which owns a lot of magazines. And it was really fun and creative. And so that was my dream at the time. Right. And then I was also editing books for publishing houses, including how to survive your first baby, how to survive pregnancy. (laughs) And all of that was just awesome because I was living it, you know, and you're living it and you're just in it and you get to talk to other women. And that sprouted a couple other things. And like, I had a cover story from the New York times back then about women that were fired illegally when they were pregnant. And it was all this fun stuff, you know? And so that is all a part of the dream. So I don't regret like putting my fiction under the way it came out when it was meant to come out. It came out when it just kept knocking on the door, you know, when it was just like, Hey, come back. Cause I'd written another novel, which is how I got my MFA in New York. Um, and it's horrible. And it's a mystery novel that will never see the light of day. I don't even know how I got into grad school with that novel. Like, I don't even know how. I look back at it now and I'm like, ah. so I think I had mentally thought, well, maybe I'm just not really great at this. Mm-hmm. You know, you can think that if one thing isn't good. And but this one just kept knocking on the door. All about timing. Well, talk yeah. to us about the timing of integrating yoga and meditation and mindfulness into your life. Because when I think about a journalist, and you had shared this when we were chatting before we started recording, I don't often think of someone who's also teaching yoga and meditation. So how did this all this all come about? I really started it in London. However, we'll have to backtrack to 2008. And uh, I was pregnant with number two. And it was rainy outside and I couldn't run very much. So I got yoga for dummies and I would do it every day in the apartment. <laughs> it helped mm-hmm. a lot for me. Mm-hmm. I was high risk. And uh, so I got to say, after I gave birth to James and things were crazy, we moved to California for a specialist and I was on bed rest and uh, all this stuff. And that story seems so long ago, thank God, but it was really hard back then. Mm-hmm. So my ex moved back to London. And I was here with the baby and it's hard to do an international move. You get used to another place, even if you're American, if you're there long enough. So I'm here and and I've got a six-year-old to care for. And it just was, it was a crazy time. And I don't like to make irrational, like knee-jerk reactive moves. It wasn't like I was just going to up and move somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, okay, I'm going to see if I can make this work. And that's when... A friend of mine started teaching me Pilates and I joined a support group, but Pilates wasn't really, I, I didn't feel like it was meditative enough. And I used to be a dancer growing up. I danced from the time I was five, even through college. It just wasn't completely for me. Plus it was mat, And I like to move and breathe and sometimes even close my eyes and listen to music. So I started taking classes and taking more classes and taking more classes. So finally, one of my friends at the Green Yogi Man hit me. She's like, you know, you really should be teaching. I'm like, oh, you think so? She's like, like I was the most overtrained, underworked yoga teacher, probably. <laughs> I was taking more and more and more and more trainings. And it was like the more I awakened, the more I knew 
I needed to sit back, detach and learn more. And that's where I think meditation plays a huge role because a lot of type A, busy, busy, busy people, they have to be so busy and so exhausted that they almost pass out into Shavasana. But that's when they get the yoga high. I did high powered yoga for a long time. My wrists don't really love it anymore, but I did high power yoga. And then I transitioned to hot yoga because a friend of mine who was going through cancer, chemo, needed me to take over all of her classes. So I did a quick training. I thought I would hate it, but it too focuses you. And then you can't really drink alcohol or coffee while you're doing hot yoga because you get so dehydrated. So you start to dial back on the things you use to not feel, and then you feel more and you go through the cycle of working through, because you do have to feel things like feelings are like little kids. They can't be at the wheel of your car and they can't be in your trunk. Like you got to figure something out about that because eventually they will bite you. And yes, I know a lot of yogis say thoughts become things. Think the good ones. If you only think good things, you're going to be fine. But if you don't grieve, it creates cancer in the body. And I just, I firmly believe that. And so I also teach cancer patients up at a a Torrance Memorial. And I've just seen a lot of people have a lot of grief they're not dealing with. I firmly believe in in meditation. So it takes a while to get to the place where you can calm down and meditate. Um, I still have to work out my wiggles, but now I can easily sit down at least for five minutes without working out first. And then it can move to more. But you were asking me earlier, and I'm not trying to jump the gun here, but you were asking me earlier when we were chatting about doing it right. Yeah, because I'm type A that you're describing, type A, achiever, perfectionist. I go, 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 busy schedule, big goals. And of course, I'm like, oh, I need to meditate. This will be good for me. I literally do track it. I'm sure that's not the point, but I do track meditations. And I wonder, am I doing it right? And is it working? And of course you're doing it right. There's no way to do it wrong. No way to do it wrong. I've been meditating since I was a little girl. I was very shy in a very loud family. The youngest of four and and so many animals. And there was just a lot. And I would just go off in the woods because we lived in front of an old tobacco farm. And I would go out in the woods and I would just listen to the stream. And the wind above the pine trees, and I lean against a tree and I just listen to that. Now I teach creativity retreats at Canyon Ranch. And one of the things we do, it's an ancient Japanese meditation. Didn't even know it, but I've been doing it since I was a little girl. And it's called soaking in the forest, called forest bathing. And you sit and you soak it in and you listen to the breeze and maybe the sounds of the river and it calms your mind. And so we live in, well, you and I live in LA, Mm -hmm. so whoever's listening, but it's pretty loud in a lot of places. And so you think, well, how do I do that? Well, I would also, as a little girl at the beach, hot as Hades in like the deep South, you go to the beach in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and it's just hot. Everyone has window units in some area of their house, even to add on, even if you have regular air conditioning. And I would just sit in the back room and listen to the air conditioning. And so now it's like Pavlovian. When I lived in New York and in London, I had to have a white noisemaker in my rooms that sounded like air conditioning. Why? Because I was conditioned to relax with the sound of an air conditioner because you can't really attach to it. I mean, is it a bad one? Is it a good one? Has it ever like talked smack about you, cheated on you? You know, you can't really get into it. You just listen to this neutral sound, right? 
Are you enjoying this episode and feeling encouraged to take the next step towards maximizing your potential? Don't let that energy pass you by. Goal achievers consistently take action to achieve great success. Grab your free breakout plan right now at kristenburke.com to begin your journey today. And if you keep putting your thoughts back towards the sound, you'll relax. It's really simple. And of course, you can do others where you can have guided meditations. You can download a Chopra 21-day challenge. I think there's a free one on Spotify right now, which is great. And you can just plug and play, especially if you've got a loud house, just put in your earphones, Mm -hmm. relax, guide you. He gives you a mantra and you listen to the sounds and say it over and over again. There's a lot of ways. I know there's transcendental. There's so many different ways, but I would say if it seems daunting, make it simple and make it your own. What calms you down? Is there anything from your childhood that was soothing to you? And I don't mean just like mac and cheese. I mean like something that you listen to, like something calming. And just see if you can recreate that sound. Did you live by the ocean? Was it really windy? I know in the South, I loved the sound of crickets at night. Mm. And so I would sit on the screen porch and I'd listen to the crickets and I'd close. So sometimes when I meditate, I close my eyes and I can hear the crickets again, the cicadas. And I can imagine the fireflies, which we don't have here, a little bit of the wind in the trees. And sometimes storms will do it for me because we had massive storms growing up out of the blue. And so, so different sounds might relax you. Sure. And listen to that. And if you need a mantra, you can repeat something over and over again until your mind calms down. Because wrestling with a problem is like a dog with a bone that he can't bite into. It doesn't fix anything, that's what I'm trying to say. To give yourself a break can calm down your neural impulses, which can help you detach and make better decisions, which you already know. But talking about it is like an intellectual thing again. It doesn't do you know, anything. I find it reassuring to know that meditation doesn't have to be this big process where you have to sit on a specific pillow and cross your legs a certain way and do it for a certain amount of time. And that's what goes through my mind. And I'm I'm hearing you say there's a lot of different ways to do it. And ultimately it's finding a process that helps you calm your mind. If you want to do a walking meditation, you can, if you want to go to ecstatic dance, go for it. If you want to go to a Kundalini, like thing. And I've done that. It's fun. You can get exhausted. There's different ways of meditating, but for me, especially being a single full-time working mother, <laughs> you know, I've got to make it fit into my life. And I made this promise to myself that I wasn't going to turn into someone who reacted, took out her stress on her kids. We all do it from time to time, but mm-hmm. I, I tried to make this conscious decision not to snap at my kids when really I was upset over something else or stressed mm-hmm. out. And I didn't want to be this unconscious person on a wheel trying to pay bills and snapping and then going out with girlfriends, drinking wine. Like to me, it was exhausting. Like, mm-hmm. what was the point? Why are we even here? If we can't have a little bit of joy and fun in our lives. So even though meditation may seem boring for some people, to detach from all of our problems. Like sometimes I'll just imagine floating away. So I get this vista and I can be sitting up high on a mountaintop and it, it is like traveling. So in today's economy, we might not have enough money to go on an amazing vacation right now. And that's okay. But if you can take little 
vacations in your mind. You can get a vista. You can get detached. You can get a vantage point. And it's like steam out of the kettle. Mm-hmm. So that you don't explode over something stupid like someone not putting the dishes in the dishwasher. I mean, we're not here for that. It's not our purpose. I'm so glad you bring that up because I've been more aware of when I snap at Scarlett and thankfully she's called me out on it. Like, mama, I don't like it when you yell at me. Yes, you're right. No one would like that. And I find Laura that I do it when I've got so much mind chatter going on and I'm ruminating on our problem and I'm having these combos with myself, which I know aren't helpful. I'm not solving anything in my mind. So how can those of us that have a lot of that mind chatter going on How can we use meditation to calm down? Oh, that's a good question. I do have friends on Wall Street who meditate twice a day because of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's lovely. I I love that. I think for me, I will take a five-minute break if I need to. I'll give myself a timeout. A girlfriend in Atlanta uh, came up with the idea. And when she was creating a room, she had three kids close in age she, um, or building a house, she created a, um, timeout room for herself and it was even padded and soundproofed. And she also had her own at home business. She, when she was going crazy, she would just lock herself in it and be like, they're not going to kill themselves and put on (laughs) classical music. And now looking back, I I laughed so hard about that. Now looking back, I know it's like she was meditating. She would just sit and breathe and listen to classical music so she could not pick up one by the neck and the other by the, you know, I mean, just, and, um, and I just think sometimes we can't disengage. We don't want our children putting their thumbs in a little, you know, those electric sockets in our house. I get it, but we can certainly put on a TV show. If we need a break, they're not going to die by watching Elmo mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. If we're getting ready to blow, right. Be that's a better, more loving choice. And then we can sit and breathe. <laughs> So deciding when we need to take a break is important when mm-hmm. we get to that point. And nobody's perfect. I mean, yeah. Sometimes they will snap and then do what we've got to do, right? So or put them in a stroller and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did that all the time with with my youngest. I was constantly having him in the stroller and falling asleep that way. And I would walk for a whole hour. And that would be like a walking meditation and just breathe, stare at the ocean, and just breathe, keep going. Hmm. There's different ways to do it, but back then I wasn't working as hard as I am now. So I know it's all about what fits into what you can afford time-wise. How do we fit meditation into what already feels like a packed, busy schedule? Well, the thing is, is that when you stop and pause, you get a lot more done. Tell me more about that. You do. Because first off, you'll stop sweating the small stuff Mm. and you'll start putting yourself first. So not everyone needs to get an instant email back from you. They respect you more when you set boundaries and you'll start to get answers slowly, but surely little things can come into your mind. Like after meditation, like you cut your phone off and you have a right to cut your phone off for five to 10 minutes, put it on, do not disturb and meditate. You know, when you have clients, sometimes it's just like in relationships, if you tip the cart, if you used to always respond to every emergency that they created, it's a little bit like enabling, and then they get used to that. And then if you don't always charge for, for me, it's like every re-edit or 
pivot, but if you don't always charge for every FaceTime or whatever it is that you may be doing, um, they get used to that too. But in meditation, you can pause and, and start to think about what is making sense for you. And for some, it'll be doing less and making the same. For some, it's doing less and making more. Like some start to value themselves more and what they bring to the table and not panicking so much. The fear is our ego. We have deep-seated fears that can be related to childhood or related to anything outside of work, relationships, right? So we may have a fear of abandonment. We may have a fear of, if I'm not doing everything perfect, they're going to leave. And so what? What if this is a client who takes too much of your time and actually isn't doing the work? Like if you're a recruiter actually isn't doing the work and going to those interviews that you're working so hard to set up, or for me, actually keeps changing their mind or not finishing the manuscript or, you know, whatever it is, we have, we have the ability to say no. And then it becomes this powerful vortex where we start to attract more respect and attract people that are in alignment to us. And so we have to trust the universe more and it helps us get through some of our fears. So there's a lot of things that it does, which is, um, create more time for us. And I've noticed that in my life since I've been meditating daily, I've been doing it my whole life, but not daily. I would say daily since 2013 has changed. I'm pretty much working less hours and making the same or more. Um, not like I make a lot. I'm a journalist because I also, I do, I carve in a lot of time to write fiction. So people say, well, how can you be a single mom and write fiction and have clients, right? And you can do all of that. A lot of it has to do with law of attraction too and attracting the right people into your life and then getting challenged and saying no. So if someone is demanding too much out of me, I will know by the way I feel. I start to get disgruntled. So we get tuned into our intuition more too. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of, oh, I'm just tired. Let me grab a coffee. Let me just plow through. Yeah, I have a friend who's who's always working until midnight every night as as a contractor journalist. And I can't say anything, but I keep saying, no, why don't you, why don't you meditate a little bit? Because someone's emergency, you know, when you work for a company, someone on, on the top suddenly just shifts gears. Oh, we're now going to write about something else, even though you worked for months on something else. It can be anything. You know how that goes. Like it can be anything. Like, oh, we shift our focus. And then you've been working on something else steadily making deadlines. And then they suddenly ask you to do something by tomorrow. They're not going to pay you overtime and they're demanding it of you. The fear can be, what if I lose this client? What if they lose you? Mm -hmm. You start to value yourself more, your health more. When you're strung out, you're not eating well, you're snapping at family members, you're not getting enough sleep. That's when we start to have like, AFib. That's when we start to have high blood pressure. That's when cortisol is flowing through our veins. That's when our low back and our shoulders and our neck hurts. We're not working out. We start to take chances. And the chances are when we say no to things that are holding us back. And even if that means, okay, for one month, you're not making as much money if you juggle a lot of clients, then the next month, someone else comes in perfectly in alignment with you. And at that interview, just like in a job interview, you can set the parameters. Um, I'm not going to respond to emails past 6 p.m. This is what I charge. I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I'm really happy to give you one free re-edit, but if it's you've changed the whole focus and you want me to write something totally different or whatever it is, you know, you set the parameters and every time you do, you're telling the universe, 
I'm worthy. And it keeps responding in that way. And it all starts with meditation by detaching from that initial fear that had nothing to do with that client. That initial fear was about abandonment of not being worthy. And I've got to do everything to cater to this person. Or maybe it was someone that you witnessed in your family behaving like that, right? And a lot of us women have that. And I... I firmly believe that it's an issue in business since all my writing about women in business, and it's not an issue of male power versus female power. We are right in there with certain fears that we haven't dealt with either. And so we deal with them differently. And I think it's catering to everyone else's needs, but our own. So meditation is one way of saying, I'm going to take care of myself today. So just five minutes, you can wake up and do it for five minutes. If you have a partner, he or she doesn't even have to know. You can lay in bed, put in the earphones. Like you, if this is something that someone else in your house might poo-poo, don't worry about it. It's your challenge to be more authentic. And the more you, you are, the more you attract people who are super attracted to you. And that's fabulous. You start building a circle that reflects what you want and who you are. And that's really a cool thing too. So I would say five minutes in the morning, just start with five minutes. You can even just put on nature sounds by Spotify and you can take three deep breaths and you can inhale. I'm bringing in, you finish that word. And then you exhale and imagine it floating through every cell of your body. And you just yes. do that for five minutes. Ding, it's over. You can even do it in the shower. They have mindfulness meditation where people just focus on the texture of the toothbrush on their teeth or their hands in their hair. And um, for me, that doesn't work as well, but um, like I have some people that, that think that's awesome because it's probably because it's less cooey. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's less like yogi. Like I have a friend that's a financial planner and that's what he likes to do. When I brush my teeth, I focus on that. When I put on the lotion, I focus on that. And I focus just on my fingers on the, you know, and I'm like, good for you. I love how you shared aspects and benefits of meditation that I had never even thought of. I heard you say that meditation helps you stop sweating the small stuff. It, it allows you to get answers. It helps yes. you set boundaries. That's huge. And a lot of my coaching calls, we talk about boundaries and people are afraid to honor their boundaries. They know what they want. They're just afraid to do it. And I love how you connected that back to fear and how meditation can help us detach from some of that fear. We've talked a lot about the benefits of meditation. Would you be open to guiding us through a meditation so our listeners can experience what it feels like? Of course. Just give me a theme. Let's do a theme of calming down. Oh yeah, that's good. Okay. So uncross your legs. If you're laying down where you're listening to this, just do you. But if you're sitting in a chair, I want you to roll your shoulders a couple of times. This just sets the mood. Uncross your legs, press into your feet, maybe close your eyes. And I want you to place your hands in your heart space, one hand in your heart space, one hand over that, and take a deep breath in through your nose. Let the belly rise like dough, fill the lungs, and open the mouth, exhale it out. Slowly, mindfully, like steam out of a kettle. One more time, inhale. Shoulders rise to your ears, maybe even roll them backwards, hold it. And then I want you to exhale any tension out. Hands come down into your lap now. Breathe peacefully, mindfully out of your nose. Teeth are not clenched. Mouth is closed. Start to listen to the rhythm of your breath. 
as you breathe in, and then as you breathe out, just visualize the air coming into your lungs, coming out, calming your mind. And I want you to think about being out on the water, warm water, calm water, maybe being on a raft, lovely day, lay back. You notice sparkles of water, kind of like the light sparkling on the water, just little ripples. And you notice it's like a gift. It's like diamonds of light, right? Sparkling around you. And I want you to imagine these sparkles now infusing every cell of your body. Calming you, warming you, healing sort of your fears. Your raft is barely moving now. So calm out, close your eyes, the warm sun is warming your skin, all is well. As you inhale, breathe in more of this light, just golden healing light. And as you exhale, let it travel through your body to any area that feels tense, tight to any spot that may need opening, your chest, your hip, knees, ankles, inhale. All is well. Exhale, let this light flow to any area. Soften your belly, soften your jaws. Shoulders are heavy, hips heavy, knees heavy, ankles heavy, whole body's heavy, base of the head is heavy. Inhale, all is well. Exhale, let this light flow through your body. And take four breaths like this. Deepening your exhale. Maybe your exhale sounds a little bit like the sea humming sound. One more. And remind yourself that our body is 80% water. And when we are anxious and uptight and tense and erratic, it is bubbling and no light and reflect upon these waters. You can't make a good decision. You can't navigate. You can't see where you're going. And so all is well. You are calm. You are infused with divine energy, divine light. You are guided. And when you're in this current, you will go exactly where you need to go. You will see who you need to see. You will say what you need to say. And you are going to be inspired throughout the day and follow that inspiration. Take a deep breath in. Belly rises, fill the lungs. Five, four, three, two, one. Exhale out of the mouth. Wiggle your fingers, your toes, open your eyes and put a smile on your face. Wow. I feel so much different than when we first started. When, when you first started that meditation, I'm taking the breaths, they're kind of hard to breathe. And, you know, my shoulders are like up all tense. And I'm like, oh. 
I have things I still got to do today, but it's okay. And before I was like, I got all these things to do and we're getting ready to go out of town for the weekend. Now I really do feel different. Thank you for leading us through that meditation. I hope our listeners come back and listen to that meditation time and time again as they need it. So thank you so much for your inspiration today, your expertise guiding us through a meditation. You are so welcome. I loved being here. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Laura. If you want to connect with Laura or learn more about meditation, you can find Laura on Instagram at laura.row.stevens. You can also visit her website, laurakrow.com. And on her website, you're able to order a copy of her book, The Art of Flow, Mindful Mini Meditations, and she's offering free shipping to our listeners. We'll put those links in the show notes so you can connect. And with that, Goal Achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenberg.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristenberg. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing toward your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.